You're listening to Hawks Insiders, the home of all things brown and gold on the internet. Subscribe to our Substack for more Hawks coverage. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Thursday night. Safe space is the calm before the storm, the tiny bit of downtime before we get into season 2023. We're all very excited about that. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, talented, legendary, all of them, or some of them, who are here tonight. Uh, firstly, uh, who's the uh, who's in the host chair tonight? Danny Prince. Hi, Danny. Ash, good to be here. And Yeah, we just thought uh, we don't get to see uh, Weesey in his... Uh his natural state very often, so I thought I'd give him the night off tonight and he can just chime in as he sees fit. Uh, Weezy's his natural state is not a very attractive thought, uh, pr- prospect. I think you mean Weezy with uh, his lovely picture there as opposed to uh, Weezy's natural state. Uh, hello, Weezy, how are you? G'day, Ash. G'day, everyone. Totally on board with those comments. Not a sight. You want to see me in my natural state. Uh, but it's nice to come out from behind the curtains and... Uh, under my own account in one of these spaces. So looking forward to the penultimate space before the season begins. That's right. Um, and Brad Clemente. Hello you? all. Hello Hawks Insiders. Great to be here. One week to go. We're nearly there. We are almost there and it can't come quickly enough. Um, now, a bit of housekeeping, the usual bits that we say. This is our last Thursday night um, space for a little while. We move to Wednesdays while there is Thursday night footy, so please join us this time next Wednesday, and I think for the first five, six weeks of the season, we'll be doing Wednesday nights. That is the first bit of housekeeping. The second bit of housekeeping is that uh, we have uh, done a bit of a collaboration with the footy club itself in um, 83 series. There's been a couple of stories about 83 on the Substack, but we're uh, back under the old golden years feed, uh, we see the uh, couple of interviews we've done so far with uh, Rodney Ead and Terry Walsh reminiscing about the 1983 grand final in the lead up to the celebrations, uh, at, uh, not this weekend, but the next. Yeah, it's nice. Um, nice seeing that come through the golden years account. It made me go back through some of our old social feeds and it's been a uh, a while, I think, before that, the last pod we did was with DGB having signed at the club and, and speaking to him in his first pre-season. So it was nice to um, to have the account back up and running and really, really wonderful to be able to collaborate closely with the club um, and get this range of pods together uh, and plenty more things in store for the rest of the year. So it's really exciting. It has been uh, great to, to work with them. We are recording one more uh, podcast tomorrow morning. I won't say who it is. I'll leave it up to guess. But basically, there are two identities for who are most synonymous with the Hawthorne Essendon rivalry at the Hawthorne Footy Club. And one of them will be joining us all being well tomorrow. And I'm sure the club will turn that one around very quickly. So uh, that's something to look forward to as well. Um and we always do like to give a bit of shout-out on to the independent Hawthorne media out there. And I know the Hawk Talk pod guys have worked very hard on their season guide, which is now available for purchase, I think, both uh, soft copies 
I think I'll be selling hard copies of the MCG on Sunday week. We encourage you strongly to grab a copy of that if you can. Uh, Mick and Tiz do a, a power of work putting that together. It's always a great read, a great one-eyed read that people will enjoy. So uh, seek that out if you can and give that a purchase. Um, it has been a – well, no games. It's, we, Hawthorne have played and we've covered off the uh, – the practice, uh, the practice match series with our previous, um, our previous spaces. So it's a bit of news, bits and pieces from the footy club. Our feature tonight will be Brad Korbanski's kiss of death. Brad is going to run through the draw. He's going to forecast how many wins and losses for the Hawks for the season. Uh, we will. Uh, it'll be brief. Look at each game. We will rebut where necessary. But, of course, to make this as wide-ranging conversation as possible, you all have views and a lot of your views on Brad. So, please, do not hesitate to jump on and have your say about anything that spews forth out of the great man's mouth in the next little while. He's done nothing else but immerse himself in the Hawthorne fixture for the last week. So, we look forward to what he has to say. In terms of news from the Hawks, um, they launched another fashion line today, but our fashion editor, Darren Levine, Sends apologies on a work assignment tonight, but uh, we might get him onto the case next week. He has very strong views about the apparel lines at the footy club, and I'm sure he'll have some strong views uh, about that. We might get him on that next week. I did notice today, um, gentlemen, that some training photos were put up by the Hawks, and they're back at Dingley. Well, they're back at Waverley. Sorry, yeah. back away, I mean, sorry. <laughs> Patrick would have got excited. I think he's two years ahead. They're back, they're back away. They are, and isn't it nice to be back home? Um, you know, t- to have pretty much the majority of your pre-season not be able to be run at your home base is uh, less than ideal. We talked to Rob McCartney and Peter Burge and how they made it work, which is fantastic. But, um, yeah, I mean, they can't have been stoked. Uh, and they'll be really happy to be back home on the Waverley deck and um, training there before the season starts. I think it's really exciting and, yeah, nice nice to be able to get down and, and see them now that they're a little bit closer to, to where I where I live. It's interesting that uh, there's a couple of websites, uh, sort of the message boards out there that uh, have training reports that have been eagerly awaited by Hawthorne people every couple of days, you know, and player by player, and drills and what they've done. There's been none of that so far this summer because basically nobody who uh, counts themselves as a keen enough Hawthorne supporter to do these training notes lives anywhere near La Trobe University. So for that reason alone, we'll be very happy to have them back at Waverley to get a couple of training reports there. Um, Justin Reeves was on SEN, uh, had Hawthorne Membership Day was on. Uh, Justin Reeves seemed to say, if you're holding your breath for Hawthorne to be at uh, Dingley, uh, don't because... I would say it's now highly unlikely that Hawthorne will even train at Dingley until the lead-up to season 2025. But based on what he had to say, it'll be sort of late next season before they move in. I think they're going to put all their eggs in the getting the ground ready for AFLW games at uh, season 2024. And it'll be pre-season 2025 before they move in, Wesley. So it's, uh, it's a very... He said construction's underway, but it's a very slow process. Yeah, and I think, I mean, the disappointment is we all know this journey that we've started on over the last 12 months, both with AFLW and the men's programs. And 
the notion of getting into these facilities that are going to be the you know up there with the best in the comp being able to adapt to those facilities from day one would have been great but the facilities at Waverley are pretty good and I don't think it will cause too much concern it's just a shame because everyone's waiting to to get there as soon as we can so uh, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. We just have to make do. Um, and, you know, I think there's actually quite a few people who'll be just as happy to have Waverley as our home for the for that extra period of time anyway. Ash, um, that's right. does this yeah. mean that St Kilda can still lay claim to having the geographical location of Bayside as a uh, point of advantage? I saw that. The old Saints are going to be going on down to St. Land. Um, yeah, well, they're going to claim it. They've claimed it for a long time. It's sort of anecdotally correct that, you know, having grown up in uh, having grown up in a Bayside suburb, there is a large preponderance of St. Kilda supporters. But uh, what's, whatever the local council is for that, uh, I'm not sure, I keep forgetting, whatever the council is there, the municipality will be the only one outside the city of Melbourne to host two AFL teams once Hawthorne moved to Dingley. So they won't be that far away. But uh, we hear that the Hawthorne players are very slowly move, making their way from Richmond, where so many of them seem to live, are slowly making their way into the Bayside suburbs because that's going to suit them to make the commute to Waverley, uh, or to Dingley at, when that opens in the next couple of years. So we, we, we certainly um, look forward to that. That'd be good for the property values in any street when an AFL footballer wants to move in. So... Bless them for doing for for continuing to do that, um, Danny. Great story by you uh, on Josh Weddle. Uh, you did a bit of digging and talked to some of his junior coaches over the um, over his career, and you put that on the uh, on the Substack. Uh, just give us a quick uh, synopsis of what you learned about him. Yeah, I think the uh, there's a few underlying things about Josh which. Um, came through in our chats with Peter Burge and, and um, a little bit also with McCartney, um, which rang true when I spoke to uh, both Paul Jepson from Kerry Grammar, where he did uh, Year 12, and, uh, and also um, Trent Baldock from he, uh, the Templestowe Dockers, where Trent was uh, Josh's coach in under-11s and under twelve. So I really, really, really went deep into the archives. And, um, and I think the thing that rang true throughout was that um, – I don't think you're going to find a more competitive person. Um, he is incredibly determined. And like, you know, Trent talked about the fact that um, it, it didn't matter whether it was the opposition on a weekend or his teammates on a Tuesday night at training. He just wanted to win whatever he was doing, whenever he was doing it. And, um, and that was pretty cool. I think one thing which I'll, I'll let people know about, um, speaking to uh, Paul from Kerry Grammar, he actually mentioned... He came on, um, Josh came on board in year 12 and they were a bit short in their volleyball team. Josh wasn't a volleyballer, but he was incredibly athletic. He turned out to be the best volleyball player at the school and they won the whole APS volleyball competition primarily on the back of his exploits as a volleyballer. So out of nowhere, um, he, yeah, he just, it just shows you firstly his athletic traits and secondly, just how competitive he was uh, and is as a person. And I think, you know, when we were speaking to Peter Burge, he sort of referenced that. He said, you know, they went out in the time trial, the the 1K time trials, and um, he jumped he jumped out of the blocks and 
Peter said he thought oh, he's not going to be able to keep it up, but he just kept going and going and going and going. So I think that bodes well because when, you, when you've got a combination of his athleticism and then his desire and his will to win, um, that's, that's massive. Yes. Um, I, he's going to be a player. He's going to be a long-term player. Pretty cool. I think, um, as we said in the, in the next piece, we, we are going to talk about that we did the best first-year players um, at the footy cup, I think he'll be a little bit. He he looked a bit off it in Geelong. He didn't again. He didn't quite know where he, he's out of place a bit. Didn't know where to run at times. I think the pace of the game took him by surprise a bit. But he's made such a meteoric rise through footy ranks, so that's not a major surprise. But uh, I think he's the sort of player when he breaks into the side, he'll be there for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. And look, not that I'm. He needs my defending, but in his defence. I'm pretty sure 95% of the team against Geelong looked a little bit shell-shocked and off the pace. So uh, he wasn't on his own in that situation. But you are right. I think um, this is a this is a guy who had a late growth spurt. He was a, a mid, midfielder as a junior. Um, he became a, a key defender in his draft year, uh, played, you know, centre-half back in the NAB League team of the year and full-back at the Carnivals or, or the other way around. Um, and, you know, then we've selected him with the view of him being a long-term midfield option. So that's always going to take time. That transition's not easy. The transition from NAB League to um, the AFL is not easy. When you factor in a positional change and a major positional change, it becomes that little bit harder. So, um, yeah, I think we're just going to be patient. I think he'll still get 15 games this year. I'd be surprised if he got less than 10. Um, And I think they'll want to get him as much exposure as they can at the level as possible. Uh, Brad, the AFL Players Association released something today called the 22 Under 22 Team of the Decades. Basically, it's the... They decided to do it. One Hawthorne player features, which is James Sicily. I'll put it to you, uh, picks to um, Hawthorne player final of man. Well, Luke Bruce of GF and Chad Ward. Now, I'm going to run through very quickly. No, but, um, if Brad, you with me? We might just, uh, Ash, you might just need to take a, uh, a step to your left. I don't know what concrete bunker you've placed yourself in today, but a bit of interference. How's that? We'll have a go again. Better? I heard the name Much Sicily, better. Wingard, and Bruce in there. Yeah, so they, they named, sorry, sorry for that, everyone. So they named it under 22 team. Uh, Sicily made the final team. Luke Bruce, Chankwok, Giat, James Walker, and Chad Wingard made what they call the squad. But in a team of Laird, May, Sicily, Mills, Moore, Dacos, Bontempelli, Cripps, Martin, Kerno, Cameron, Petrarca, Heaney, Lynch, Bolton, Oliver, uh, so Grundy, Neil, Oliver, Interchange of Nat Fife, Andrew Brayshaw, Sam Doherty, and Harris Andrews. Uh, is Luke Bruce unlucky to be in team of that uh, calibre? He probably is unlucky, but uh, was that Shay Bolton who was in a four pocket? Yes. I probably Shai like Bolton. Shay Bolton's a wonderful player. He's going to be an absolute, you know, superstar. Still hasn't peaked. I'd have Bruce in front of Shay Bolton. I reckon. Bruce, for the past decade, has probably been, you know, arguably a top three small small forward in the comp. So I'd have Bruce over Shea, Shea Bolton. 
unless it's what they achieved over the in up until they were twenty two in their first few years of footy, in which case Bolton's been spectacular. But if it's look over the long over the longevity of their career, well, at this stage you would think Bruce has them covered. Now, by the way, speaking of James Sicily, in a very good piece, a very nice piece of um, radio, he was on with uh, Kane Corns and um, Nathan Buckley on Monday, and was asked, was he disappointed not to make the All Australian team? To which he said, Yes, I was. So well done to uh, to Sicily for a bit of honesty. Normally AFL players duck and dive and play straight bat, but uh, Lucy, what do you think of that a bit of honesty from uh, from James Sicily? Well, look, I think he actually counters what you were talking about in terms of Bolton getting selected because his first few years were, you know, pre twenty two were not much, so he wouldn't be in the team. So I think it's a bit of a furphy. And I wrote that article about Luke Bruce. And where he actually sits in goal-kicking annals, not just at our club, but in the competition. So I think he's stiff. In terms of the Sicily stuff, very, very refreshing. Uh, the thing that was most heartwarming for me was just listening to the way he was talking about the club and how much he loves the club and how much he's grateful for the opportunities that he's been given, how... Um, even if he wasn't captain, he'd have no issues signing the long-term contract, uh, that he was never going to play anywhere else. And he feels this, um, this sense of wanting to give back to the club that has stood by him and giving him, given him so much. And I just listened to that. And again, you know, we know all of the pros and cons potentially to him being a leader, but it is the exact sort of stuff you want to hear your leader saying out in public, like he would die for the club. And that's exactly who you want at the forefront going into battle every week. So that's what I took from his little press rounds during the week. Uh, and it was, it was great to hear. Ash? We have, uh, before we get into uh, Brad's preview um, of the season, we have a great friend of Hawks Insiders here, uh, Ed Sill, the president of Box Hill Hawks, joining us. Ed, good evening. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Good to have you with us. Um, I guess we have to start with the, uh, we, have to, we can't bury the lead here too much. The club published the results of the election poll and sadly, despite our strong support, someone had to come last in the board elections. What, what was your takeaway when you saw that? Oh, I was hoping that I finished fourth out of five. Um, oh, it is what it is. I think uh, at the end of the day, I'm very comfortable that six of the nine board members have been elected by the members of the football club. So the majority of our board members have now been elected um, so the fact that uh, I'm not one of them is it is what it is. I'm just just pleased that the members have had their voice. So onwards and upwards. And certainly um, the, the position of Box Hill Hawks being so critical to the overall Hawthorne operation, I would imagine if not making a de facto board member, it means you're pretty uh, clued in and pretty uh, central to a lot of stuff that's happening at Hawthorne anyway. Yeah, look, I think I, I still remain connected with a number of people at the club. Uh, I think um, the people who have come on, um, have, have um, you know, a number of them have already engaged really heavily with Box Hill and doing some 
some very helpful pieces. So I think hopefully the board's settled. Um, I think what you know, from from my viewpoint, Ash, uh, you're either born to enjoy elections or you're born to hate them. And I can very comfortably um, let you know that I'm I was the latter. So I, I hated every single minute of it. But you know, so be it. We we as I say, we dust ourselves and we move on. Ed, thanks for joining us, mate. We always appreciate uh, your candidness and your willingness to have a chat. Um, the, there's been obviously a fair bit of change at Box Hill level, and we will um, bring it back round. But um, just wanted to hear your thoughts, uh, your initial thoughts on the new coach and the new setup there, and um, yeah, how that's all tracking. Yeah, so Zane Little John's the uh, the new coach, Zane uh, the Tassie boy to begin with, and got the uh, the opportunity to run the uh, the Brisbane. Academy uh, under uh, Chris Fagan, a former Box Hill board member. Um, Zane's hit the ground running, best way to describe it, a, a, a self-described footy nuffy, just loves it. Very hard-nosed, uh, great communicator, but uh, looks you in the eye and tells you very, very clearly his views on the world. Uh, we're, we're really fortunate to have Zane. Um, I think he's, he's going to be an exciting part, not only of the Box Hill piece, but also the, the Hawthorne piece. So, uh, I think uh, I think Rob McCartney, who was who was uh, um, driving that appointment, has got a got a really good one there. Yeah, and I think the the glimpses, and we need to give uh, props to the social media, the admin um, for the Box Hill Hawk social media, who's been phenomenal with the content and insight so far this preseason. Um, yeah. One of the things that I've noticed about about Zane is, and you, t- you touched on it there, he's. Um, He's very direct and um, and and has a real um, steely focus on what he wants to achieve, and you can see that it carries through everything that he does. Um, the game plan wise, um, it, it seemed to change a little bit from Sam to um, uh, uh, last year. I've forgotten his name, uh, Porter. Uh, uh, Clint, Proctor. Clint Proctor. Sorry, I just I had Cal yep. Porter in my mind, but I couldn't get that out. Obviously, right. player at Box Hill. Um, and yep. is there are they looking to change it or, or fill it in line with uh, what Mitchell's doing at Hawthorne this year at Box Hill, or is he completely standalone in the game plan? No, no. If um, if the the two game plans have diverged, it's uh, it's more of an issue at uh, Box Hill than it is Hawthorne. No, we very. And it's been the, the case for over 20 years. We we follow the same game plan. Um, it's just the right the right methodology with having so many Hawthorne players in that uh, there's no there's no significant move from one week to the next. So um, yeah, if that if that looked like it went astray last that last year, that was more on us than Hawthorne. Yeah, fantastic. And um, all right. So last question, I'll throw it open to the guys. I just had just wanted to see and uh, have you been exposed to any of the. Uh, the younger blokes um, that the Hawks have brought in this year, and have any have any caught your eye as yet this early in the preseason? So, unfortunately, because of, you, know, you talked about the, uh, the challenges with training, um, with uh, with Waverley being off limits, we've had a really interrupted ability to get the groups to train together. So, no, we've not seen um, you know, the guys have hardly spent any time other than a couple of practice matches together. So, unfortunately, we've not uh, we've not seen too much. Um, can I can I talk very quickly though about um, it, and it just goes to show how much I don't know about footy. We had a uh, an open day uh, in November. It was it um, designed for people to just to come down and train and and to see whether they would be um, capable of getting onto both a VFL or VFLW list. And I certainly understood the VFLW side of it that um, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, girls who are, who I haven't been through a system yet that that might show up. 
Um, but I didn't think the VFL program would necessarily throw much off. But we've now got four guys who just arrived at that um, screening session unannounced. They're now on Box Hill's list. Incredible. And I, I understand at least two of them will play round one. Wow. Um, a couple of them might have even got uh, got games in, down at Geelong. So they're the ones just to, to keep a sneaky eye out. I know um, the Hawthorne guys are we're quite excited about two particularly. They're, they're both um, Mornington Peninsula boys for whatever reason. Didn't get into the, the Stingrays program, played suburban footy. Um, COVID knocked them about around a bit, but um, we saw their athletic ability and uh, we really jumped onto it. So I think there might be a couple of Smokies working yet again, working their way through Box Hill. Do you want to drop some names for us there, Ed, or you want to keep Oh, I think if, if you go back to... Um, Go back to look at some of the socials that the yeah. boys did earlier in the year, and uh, two guys particularly being uh, being um, offered contracts. I reckon that that might give you a good guide. I appreciate it. Brad, you had a question. Yeah, just a quick one for Ed. Not necessarily a permanent Box Hill Hawks player, but you might not be able to uh, answer this one, Ed, for us. Jack Scrimshaw. Have you heard at anything on Jack or how he's tracking? Has he been to training? Has he trained with Box Hill? We obviously saw in the intra club he was named in the uh, prop in the possible side, which was essentially the B side. He didn't play the game against Collingwood. What's the latest on Jack, if you know anything? I think. Um, look, I think that there's no doubt that Jack's in Hawthorne's best twenty-two. So we're um, we're not expecting to see too much of Jack down at Box Hill. And another guy you're probably not expecting to see too much of, but have seen a bit of. I want to pick your brains on um, one player I really didn't actually take too much notice of him, to be honest, last year. But this pre-season and with Jack Gunston having gone up to Brisbane, uh, I've put him in one of our preview articles as potentially going from good to great this year and have this feeling that Fergus Green is going to play a role on a half-forward flank and kick a lot of goals for us straight off the bat in year one uh, in the seniors. What's your take on him? And and I guess for everyone else like me that didn't have too much of an eye on him, can you give everyone a bit of a rundown on what you're expecting from him this year? So so Fergus kicked, I think, 50-odd goals for us last year. Missed a couple of games. I think with, it was 53. Yeah, right. Missed, a, missed one game with concussion and missed... The game that he was concussed in, so um, you know he's returned what's that over well over three goals per game. Um, I reckon that he's an interesting one because he's the guy who does the hard things easily and the easy things a little bit hard. And I think having an AFL preseason under Sam and the Hawthorne coaches will do him. Um, I think will be a great service for him because he's got talent. He he runs hard. He's quick for his size. He's got good hands. He's a beautiful kick. He's a nice mover. I think he, he was certainly in the top three or four in the time running time trials. So he's a, he's a complete package. Um, I think I, I think he's a deep forward as opposed to a high forward, and that's based on the fact that he's a he's a really good kick. We tended to play him reasonably deep. When the game was on the line, and I reckon he kicked at least two goals last year that either put us in front or got, got as close in, in really crucial games. He's a guy who enjoys uh, the football in his hands in big moments, which is which is really important. And there was a bit of play, I reckon, McKenzie reeled out and hit him on a lead-up uh, down in Tassie. And 
he'll be he'll be a real challenge to uh, oppositions as a, as a hit up forward because he's got a little bit of that gun style. I'm really pleased they didn't give him 19. There was sort of a conversation around that. Let him be his own guy. Um, I think he could easily be a 40 goal a year player for us. Um, if you think about his size, he's probably picking up the third defender from one week to the next. He'll be a handful for virtually every third defender in the AFL. And do you think, obviously, uh, you know, Brad will get onto it in, in selection dissection coming up, but our forward line's the big question mark moving into round one and, and probably for the whole season. Do you think the club have him in, in Sammy's whiteboard or the magnets where he's drawn up the premiership team and he already talks about having a bulk or a core of the players that are going to be in our next premiership? Do you reckon he's, he's pinned Fergus down as one of those, even, as you said, re- potentially replacing a Luke Bruce as a deep forward in that next premiership? I reckon, um, and you know, I haven't spoken to Sam about it, but I reckon he would have had people that have penned in, and I, you know, I guess that's probably Sicily and Newcomb and um, some of the, the high-end draft picks, Will Day, etc. And then there'll be guys who are penciled in, and there's no doubt um, he was not recruited to buff out our forward line for a couple of years as we go through a rebuild. He was brought in because they, they have a view that he can be a really good player for Hawthorne for the next six or seven years. Um, and he wasn't by his own... Um, so he's a really one of those loud characters and he, he enjoys being... And I, I think I heard Sam talk about it, the fact that during really hard-nosed pre-season at times, he'd be the voice that would keep everyone up and about. But apparently he just he wasn't comfortable at the Western Bulldogs in that space, that he wasn't able to be himself. Hawthorne didn't pull him into um, a, a list position, given we were out with our rebuild, for him to be a good, solid player for the next two or three years. I think he's he might only be penciled in at the moment, uh, but hopefully, you know, when we're talking this time at the end, this time at, towards the end of the year, it's, uh, he's moved to to a little bit more ink in that uh, in that penning into that side. All right, Ed. Well. Thank you for joining us. Now, of course, you say they didn't want to put any pressure on him by giving him number 19. They did give him number 26. So it's not like... Uh, no, no, I, I accept the number. I just think there's a lot of pressure to try to replicate what Jack Gunston did. And uh, unfortunately, we Hawthorne supporters are, are probably... I don't know if we've taken him for granted, but I reckon we're going to get a bird's eye view of this year for how good he is. So I was just glad that they weren't trying to... Well, here's the next Jack Gunston because there is not too many other Jack Gunstons running around. No, I think he's the one player that uh, I think of all the players who've moved on this year, he's a player I think we're going to miss uh, the most. Ed, thank you for joining us. Um, good luck for the season. We'll talk to you a bit closer. Maybe might even get you on for a season preview in a few weeks before Box Hill starts and talk to you regularly throughout the year. So thanks for joining us and thanks as always for your support of Hawks Insiders. No, thanks. And I really, really think you do a great job getting communicating with our members and uh, all I can say is keep it up. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Thanks for your time. Uh, that was Ed Sill, the Box Hill Hawks president. Okay, so here we go. This is the as I said, this is the first of two season preview spaces. Next week, we'll sort of run through some of the talk about some of the uh, preview material we're putting on the Substack over the next few days. But this is Brad's famous, well, it's his first one, his kiss of death. He's going to run through the season week by week, uh, and uh, we're going to try and rebut him where possible. And he's going to predict at the end of the season how many wins and losses for Hawthorne. So I'll get the first few going, and one of the other boys will take over. So, Brad, round one, MCG, Sunday 
uh, week. Hawthorne v. I just want to kick off by saying I probably will upset quite a few people. However, last year I predicted we would win eight games in this segment and we won eight games. But I'm more excited about this season despite the fact I think we're going to win less games and we're a very good chance to win the wooden spoon. I don't think we will, but I think we're going to win less games than last year. But kicking off with the first game against the Bombers, if you look at our fixture, the first six weeks of the season, there are very winnable games. So it's going to be important for the confidence of the team to get early season wins because unfortunately, in my opinion, when you look at the fixture from round 7 to 17, we will probably win a game or two, but I can't see us starting favourites or winning a game between round 7 to 17. But we'll go through that shortly. I think we will beat Essendon round one. I think Jake Stringer being out, I think the Bombers have had a terrible preseason. I think we've had a really strong preseason despite the game against the Cats. I know Mitch Lewis is out, but I think our... Uh, midfield is whilst inexperienced and young Essendon's midfield is not that great, their back line is weak and our forward line is probably the weakest part of our team however, I think we will get the Bombers by a couple of goals round one, it's great the games at the MCG and not at Marvel like previous seasons and I think our young team of runners, the MCG suits our team a lot better than Marvel so I think round one is a win. Round two, Sydney v Hawthorne, SCG. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be a heavy defeat. The Sydney Swans are looking very good at the moment. They obviously got thrashed in the grand final. They're going to look to start the season off really strong. Their team on paper, once again, is incredibly strong. We'll see uh, Errol Goulden will be a smoky for all Australian this year. He'll be the Chad Warner of last year. Their midfield, obviously, with Callum Mills, Chad Warner, Luke Parker is going to be way too strong for us. It'll be a good learning curve for our young team. It'll be great for the likes of uh, uh, McKenzie and a few others to play on the SCG against the tough Sydney side, but that is a loss. And then we move on to round three, our first game in Tassie and... Brad, this is one of the games that we would all be penning in as a please, yes. please, please win of the season. Uh, the first game against uh, Hawthorne's B set up, North Melbourne down in Tassie. Yeah, this is the Clarko Cup. This game is a must, must win. Clarko, I'm sure, has penciled this one in as his grand final for the year, but we should be beating North Melbourne comfortably. Ben Mackay, unfortunately for North, we've seen, is out for the start of the season. Is a big loss. He's by far their best defender. I know they got Logan from Fremantle. They have drafted incredibly well the last few seasons. I reckon North Melbourne in probably three years' time is going to be a really, really good side. But it's going to take Clarko at least two to three years to get them playing consistent good football um, I think at the moment now we are at least a four to five goal better side than North Melbourne might sound crazy but I am penciling that one in for a win Wow so you've got us two and one through three and no doubt we'll all start talking about finals uh, round four we go to Queensburg uh, Easter Monday Easter Monday yes, Queensburg. Uh, 
Easter Monday against Geelong. Can we replicate what happened last season and go three and one? No, unfortunately not. I know we beat them last season by, I think it was eight or nine points. Last season, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong, but uh, Mitch Lewis and Gunston between them, I think seven or eight goals. Mitch actually did his hammy kicking a goal in the last quarter. Um, I'm pretty sure O'Meara and Mitchell had really good games. I think they both hit the scoreboard and traditionally aren't goal kickers. So over half our goals last year against Geelong were kicked by players who are no longer at the club. Uh, You look at Geelong's team this year, unfortunately on paper they are stronger than they were last year, the team that won the premiership. I think Geelong will start the season a bit slower this year. A few players are uh, underdone, but by round four, unfortunately... I know we always play really well that game. I think we'll put up a good fight for two and a half to three quarters. But we'll probably run out of legs and be our class. I see that one is, yeah, that's going to be a probably a six to seven goal loss in my opinion. Moving on to round five, Brad, we've got um, the gather round over at Norwood Oval in Adelaide um, against GWS. And I think... Uh, this is the one game of the year where Callum Brown comes out and becomes an All-Australian calibre player. Uh, what's the result going to be in that one? Still gives me uh, nightmares in the pouring rain. Gale Force wins, somehow kicks four, go- four goals straight against us. He won't kick four goals for the rest of his uh, career. Um, that, this is an interesting game. It's in Adelaide. GWS is a bit of a bogey side for us when we play them in Sydney. I don't know what that ground is like. Uh, it's this game could go. Uh, it's narrow, Brad. It's a hundred. It's like no, that isn't good. Then really no, that's <laughs> not good that isn't good. That's probably a loss. Although we probably can beat if all goes to plan, we play our best. I think we can, but I think GWS's midfield is still incredibly strong, and they've still got guys like Toby Green, um, you know, Josh Kelly, Lockie uh, Whitfield. GWS's top end talent is still up there with the best in the league. Their depth isn't great, but they've still got quality players. I think they will not have as as poor a season this year as they did last. I think Kingsley coming in will be really good for them. I think if all goes to plan for GWS, they're a chance to actually push for a spot in the finals. I don't think they'll make it, but yeah, that's... If, Ash, if what you're saying, the ground is narrow, I'll probably put that one down as a loss. Then we go back to Tassie, Brad, and we play Adelaide, uh in round six, and I reckon this one is a bit of a flip of the coin. What's your take? Absolutely. 50-50 game. Uh, we beat them down there, uh, was it last year or the year before, the Riley Thorpe in his second game, I think he six. I think it was the year before. Mitch Lewis had a quite, I think, had a big game as well then. No, um, Cozzy had a big game. Was it Cozzy kicked four, yeah, five? Yeah, kicked five. Yep. Yeah. The Phil... Um, Adelaide's interesting. They're similar to us. I think they're probably a year ahead of us in their development. Um, their forward line is probably their strong point. With uh, Fogarty is, in my opinion, going to have a breakout season. His back half of last year was really good. Taylor Walker, you know, you're going to get three goals a game from him. They got Rankin from Gold Coast, uh, Rochelle into his second year. They got some good young midfielders. I think it'll be a really good watch that game for our uh, our midfield is similar to theirs. You know, young, other than, you know, they've got uh, Rory Laird, but they're quite similar to us. But I think, I'm going to, I reckon we'll win that game. I reckon we'll beat them down in Tassie. Um, Like I said, the first six weeks are all winnable. You know, we've got 
at least three winnable games. So I reckon we can win that game, and we will win that game. All right, Brad, the, the next three don't shape as particularly great viewing for the Hawks. So it'll be the Bulldogs at Marvel Stadium, Fremantle in Perth, which is what the only night game Hawthorne plays, I think, for the first um, 15 weeks until the, 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 the picture's been released. And then Melbourne on a Saturday twilight at the MCG, which is round nine and only Hawthorne's second home game for the year at the MCG. Can they win? No, I think we just skipped through to round 10 when I think we'll get our next win. Bulldogs at Marvel is always a disaster for us. Their midfield will absolutely destroy us like they have the last few times. Their forward line this year is going to cause teams massive problems. Sam Darcy is going to be an absolute superstar. And you put him with Norton. Yugal uh, Hagen, uh, they are going to be very dangerous, which is unfortunately unfortunate for us. Some supporters will probably, you know, uh, disagree because they want the Bulldogs to finish as low as possible because we have their second and third round picks. But in my opinion, the Bulldogs are a good chance to finish top four this year. They're going to play finals um, and they're a good chance for top four. So uh, I know they lose Dunkley, but um, their team is incredibly strong. Um, and I think last year they were actually disappoint- they were a disappointment, even though they made the finals. But yeah, that's that's a loss. Fremantle in Perth. Fremantle, again, another side. will be fighting for the eight, two, three years ahead of us in their development. Very good back line. One of the best midfielders, one of the best midfields in the league. Their forward line is probably their weakest point, but Nat Fife's going to be playing as a key forward this year. So we all know what Nat Fife does to Hawthorne. He probably polls three votes every time he plays against us. So if he plays, he's been uh, injured a lot the last few years. So don't want to wish an injury upon anyone, but it'd be good if Nat Fife didn't play that game. And the week after against Melbourne, played really well against them last year. Sam coached brilliantly well. Finn tagged Ed Langdon out of the game which, um, you know, set the tone for the match. We were in the game most of the time. I think we only lost by 10 points. But Melbourne were poor last season and still, you know, had a pretty solid year. So, fortunately, Melbourne are going to be stronger this year. It'll be interesting to see how Lloyd Meek and Ned Reeves go up against Brody Grundy and Max Gorn. Because another one of those players, we all know how Max Gorn goes against Hawthorne. We all pull our hair out why you kick the ball to Max Gorn, but now they're going to have to deal with Brody Grundy as well with the midfield of Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, Brayshaw, just to name a few. So that's not going to be a fun game to watch, but it'll be good experience for the kids. Oh, that'll take us to what potentially might be a fun couple of weeks uh, following those three. We move ahead to round 10, back in Tasmania, and this time to play West Coast. Brad, surely, surely you can give us a reason to grab the four points here. Look, it's, most games for us when we're in a chance is going to be 50-50. West Coast last year, horrendous year. You look at their team on paper still. I know their preseason's been really poor. I think Adam Simpson's going to unfortunately lose his job this year. We know what the market's like in Perth and West Coast for whatever reason have had another really poor preseason. But you look at their team on paper and their experienced players, they've still got, you know, some quality players. On paper, you'd expect West Coast to beat us. It is a long trip for them, Perth to Tasmania, which will play an advantage. But after a really tough run of games, and it was interesting, I know in one of the podcasts, I think with um, Rob McCarthy sort of said, 
um, you know, expected us to start the season slower and perform better in the back half of the year. I think playing West Coast down in Tassie will hopefully be, I don't think it will, but will hopefully be the start to some surprise wins in the back half of the year. Oh, I'm shocked that our board hasn't lit up with everyone just wanting to get stuck in and say, surely we're beating the Eagles in Tassie. If anyone does want to contribute at any point, please hit the request button. We want to hear what you think as well. Brad, that moves into what is potentially a very winnable game. Winnable game. I think any game against St Kilda this year could be, but it might be tricky for us being a marvel. We say that every year. I thought we'd beat St Kilda last year and the year before. I think Ash, St Kilda's one of Ash's least favourite sides. And No, I like St Kilda. I, I, if the team I want to see... Oh, yeah, maybe, was, maybe it's Carlton. It is. St Kilda, I've got so many St Kilda supporters in my life, but it, I try to jump in, but it, it frustrates me because I don't look. I don't look at St Kilda on paper and think they're any better than Hawthorne. They bash Hawthorne up every year, and it it, it shits Absolutely, me. Absolutely, that's what. Yeah, it just I don't like. You looked at their side last year, and what did they beat us by seventy points? And then the second yeah. time we played them, they were, I think we kicked one goal in the first half, kicked some junk time in the second half. St Kilda's another game like Hawthorne should be, you know. That should be a 50-50 game. St Kilda, I reckon, it's an interesting one. Ross Lyon's going to come in. I think he's going to coach similar to how Clarko coached at the end of his Hawthorne uh, tenure. He's going to coach not to lose by it a lot. It'll be very uh, defensive. They've unfortunately been very unlucky. They've been decimated in pre-season. They've had a really... I know they beat Essendon last week, um, but... I reckon St Kilda are going to be really poor this year. I reckon they'll finish in the bottom six. And I'd like to say we're going to win that game. But if you go on form from the last couple of years, being at Marvel for whatever reason, and by then, uh, Max King will be back. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we'll beat St Kilda. Mitch Law's will be back, though. So that's the square up. Mm, so hopefully. I'd like us to win that. But I just, I don't, for whatever reason, it is similar to GWS. They seem to be a bit of a bogey side. So, Brad, we then roll into round 12, mate, and we're headed back to Adelaide, to the Adelaide Oval this time. Um, and we play Port Adelaide on their home deck. Do you give us a chance at all? No, nah, 5% chance. I know we beat them last year. I think it was round two. You look at their team that game, they probably had eight of their best players out, probably six of their eight best players, but eight of their best 22 they had a shocking year last year, shocking start to the year. They were good in the back half. Ken Hinckley is coaching for his career this year and will know a lot. Port's opening five or six weeks is brutal. So by round 12, Ken Hinckley might not even be their coach. But Port Adelaide in Adelaide at that stage of the year, no, nah, that's a loss, unfortunately. And I feel like I know what you're going to say here. The return of Jack Gunston to the MCG in different colours is going to result in a... Yeah, loss. Uh, Brisbane is, as I've mentioned for a while, last few weeks, if not months, I reckon Brisbane is going to... I reckon they'll finish on top of the ladder and I reckon they'll make a grand final this year. Their pre-season's been really good. Their side is, they've just absolutely primed to finally challenge. And I'd like to hopefully see them win one because I'll probably play Geelong in the grand final, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, the Lions are going to be really strong this year. Look, it's at the MCG. 
Uh, we beat them there, I think it was one of the COVID years when we played them there. We actually normally play pretty well. Brisbane haven't beaten Hawthorne since twenty. Yeah, we beat them in Tassie the last couple of times as well. We seem to play pretty well against them. But, um, yeah, and Brisbane, you know what, actually play poorly on the MCG. They don't play at MCG too well. So, look, I think we'll lose, but that could be one of those games like last year when we beat Brisbane, we beat Geelong. Um, that could be one of those surprise games that we, you know, things click and we win by a couple of goals. But I'm still penciling that as a loss. Uh, uh, Gold Coast. Uh, Gold Coast, the Metricon. Yeah, Gold Coast, another one of those sides will be pushing for the eight this year. They, their, their team is actually primed to finally make the eight. Um, ben King's obviously going to be back this year, which will be huge. Um, they did lose Rankin, but their team, their midfield's really strong. Um, their forward line's not too bad. Last year's uh, Northern Territory game was a disaster. Um, probably one of our worst games of the year. Gold Coast, I think we beat them down in Tassie at the end of the year. In a really poor, windy game. But, yeah, again, that's at metric on. Can't see us winning that one. School holiday game, though. There'll be a very big Hawthorne crowd at that game, but uh, probably a tough one. Now, the Rob McCartney theory that Hawthorne will play better footy in the second half of the year than the first half of the year would lead me to think Hawthorne would have a puncher's chance of beating Carlton in the MCG in round My 16. blues, Ash. My blues are... <laughs> Your blues, yeah. uh, Again, last year, I think seven goals to one in the first quarter, we were down. We actually, I, I thought we deserved to win that game in the end. We beat Carlton for three quarters, got in the front in the last quarter, and then unfortunately lost by, I think it was one or two points. Um, I'd love to beat Carlton. A lot of my close mates go for Carlton. But I reckon this is the year it all clicks for my blues. I know I've been saying it for the last five or six years, but um, I know they've had a bit of a up and down pre-season, but Carlton, uh, if they don't make the finals this year, I think they should be pushing for a top four spot. Then Michael Voss is going to be under big pressure. Another one, unfortunately, I think that's similar to the Brisbane game. We can win it, but I don't think we will. And then we move on to round 17. No, nah, skip that game. That's dates. a loss. GW well, away. all dates and times at the moment, TBC, you can... You can be pretty sure we're not going to see much night footy and we'll get quite a few of the 3.20 or 4.30 Saturday or Sunday afternoon slots. You ready to move straight on from the Giants at Giants Stadium, yeah. Brad? Yeah, we'll go to Clarko, Clarko Cup again, round 18. Talk me through yeah, it. Yeah, no, that, that one I'm going to put us down for a win. Um, I think, you know, we'll, we'll sneak a few wins in the back half of the year that we're not expected to. I do only have us winning five games. Hopefully I'm wrong. Others might agree or probably many will disagree. But like I said, you look at our fixture after this again and you look at the opening six rounds where I think we should win a few and then there's that period, round seven to 17 is a brutal, brutal fixture for us. So hopefully we can snatch a win against the Kangaroos before we back up against the Tigers at the MCG. So Tigers round 19 at the G... Uh, are we skipping over yeah, this one as well? Yeah, skipping that Brad? one. We'll go to St Kilda on four. Why do Ash? Why do we play St Kilda at Marvel twice? Because the AFL hates Hawthorne. You know, there's no other reason. <laughs> Absolutely that. ridiculous. That's ridiculous. How we play? Why we play St Kilda on their home yeah. ground twice? That's absolutely absurd. But you actually back to St Kilda. I mean, you would think in a year like this, Hawthorne will beat St Kilda. Yeah. 
If they can't beat Skilda twice, at least once, then the rebuild's going very ordinarily. I would, Pets, I would strongly expect Absolutely. To win this game. And by then, round 20, you know, I think, as I said, St Kilda are going to have a really poor season. Um, that's probably when, you know, they'll be putting a few of their players in, if you know, there's more of their senior guys in for surgeries. Um, and I think by then, a lot of our younger players, you know, would have played, you know, hopefully at least 10 to 15 games in the seniors, you know, uh, McKenzie. Uh, Weddle, Husswaite will probably be playing by then. Hopefully we see a bit of Bailey uh, McDonald in the back half of the year. Josh Bennett's might get a couple of games. Um, you know, Tom... Seamus Mitchell might do. Yeah, I think these will be the games like the back end of last year where Long played, you know, um, a couple of games. Jai Saron came in in the back half of the year as well. So I think the, the, the last five or six games of the year will be great for us as supporters because I think a lot of the younger guys are going to play. Um, we're going to be, obviously, there's a few guys who'll be playing for contracts next year. Uh, Jekka, um, Ned Long, um, Seamus, as you mentioned before, Ash. So, um, yeah, St Kilda, I'm going to put that one down as one of our wins. All right. Uh, we have to wait till round 21 to play the Pies for the first time in 2023. Uh, what do we think there, Brad? We, we only just lost them in the practice match by six points and... Um, you know, we were missing Mitch Lewis. We were missing, um, you know, a few key players. So, where do, what do you think uh, when we meet them late in the season? Yeah, that's a that's a winnable game. We seem to play pretty well against Collingwood. Tom Mitchell will be interesting. You know, we, uh, you know, he's probably going to get 30, um, 30 touches. I think Collingwood's an interesting one. They, I don't have. They obviously made the four last year. They were really lucky. I've got them. You know, either just making the, the the top eight or probably finishing, you know, ninth to twelfth. Even if they lost three or four of those close games last year, they finish eleventh uh, or twelfth on the ladder. So we match up pretty well against them. Obviously, Grundy was won't be there. Darcy Cameron absolutely destroyed us in the wet last year, um, but that's a winnable that's a winnable game for us. Similar to you know the Carlton and maybe the Brisbane game, one that we can pinch. I don't think. Um, we will, because I think Collingwood's probably going to be playing for a spot in the eight. Uh, but again, that's a winnable game. Do- Dogs in Tassie, probably a uh, well, probably clo- be a closer run affair than um, the playing at Marvel. Absolutely, it'll be wet, cold, and windy. Uh, they did beat us there, I think, last round last year, um, but. Yeah, if the weather's really poor, we got a chance. If it's one of those nice sunny you know, cold days. The Bulldogs' midfield is just incredibly, incredibly strong and an area where we're going to struggle. And with how strong their forward line is going to be this year, like I mentioned before, uh, they'll be also playing for either a spot in the four or a spot in the eight in that game. So, um, yeah, I'll pop that one down for a loss. And then, obviously, Melbourne, round 23, we're not beating them at the G. But we do finish the season against Fremantle at the MCG, who don't play at that ground often. And their season, Frio's another interesting one. They are another one of those teams who's either going to just make the eight or completely fall out. Uh, history does suggest two teams come in and two teams go out. And I think Frio and Collingwood from last year are the two teams who will go out. I'll probably be, be, I'll probably be wrong. But that's another winnable game. I'll pop it as a loss, but another winnable game. Uh, Brad, I've got to ask, and I don't want to give too much away on one of our preview articles, but you've said five wins you're picking for the season, five wins. So I'm going to put it to you. 
Saints twice, North twice, games against West Coast and Adelaide in Tasmania, GWS in Adelaide, Essendon in round one that you said we can win, Frio in the final round at home, add in a couple of other wins that we're not expected to. I'm going to put it to you that we can win seven or eight games again. Yeah, you, you know what? I hope you're right. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, you know, you mentioned St Kilda twice. History suggests we lose both those games. As I said, the opening six rounds of the year will probably dictate. I know uh, we, uh, Rob uh, mentioned on the podcast he reckons we're going to start slowly. But if you look at that first six rounds, Essendon at the MCG, a few of their players out, North Melbourne in Tassie, GWS in Adelaide, Adelaide in uh, Tasmania. If we can somehow win two or three of those... We probably will win, you know, seven or eight games. If we only win one or none of the first six, we're not winning more than five games for the year. So, um, like I said at the start, though, as we've always said the last few weeks, the first this season is not about wins or losses. If we win three games or four or five games, you know, we obviously don't want to be belted every week, but this year is about the development. As we've said, it's going to be an exciting year. The youngsters are going to learn a lot. Um, it's going to be a bit of a baptism of fire most weeks coming up against more experienced, bigger body teams. But if everything clicks and the way we played against Collingwood, you know, second and third quarters, if our game's on, we can absolutely upset a few teams. But, um, yeah, I think, we're, I think we're a lock to finish in the bottom four. I think North Melbourne will win the wooden spoon. But... I've got us finishing 16th or 17th, which is not necessarily a bad thing. As Prinzi's told us, this year's draft, the end of this year, you know, the 2023 draft's incredibly strong. And we still need, probably in my opinion, two more years of drafting high-quality kids. And we'll pick up also hopefully a couple of big name, not big name free agents, but a couple of, you know, free agents. We've got a lot of money to spend. This year is quite weak, but next year and the year after, some really good players are going to be coming out of contract and will hopefully be exploring their free agency rights and Hawthorne will be jumping in because, as I've said, I think Ash reckons we can play finals in 2024. I think that's a year too early. I think it's not unrealistic to think if everything goes to plan, we're a chance of playing finals in 2025. I'm still holding out that uh, finals that they've got a, a puncher's chance of finals in 2024 if the kids come good. Uh, you look at City and Collingwood the last couple of years, and you think there has to be some sort of chance Hawthorne can replicate that and make that meteoric rise. Not this year, but uh, possibly next, but certainly by 2025, there should be some sort of expectation that they play finals. Brad, very comprehensive as always. Um, we've run out of time for selection dissection, but given that we are going on Wednesday night next week, and the team won't come out, we'll, uh, we'll go through your round one team and the rest of our season preview content, which we're putting up over the next few days as well. So that has been the spaces for this week. We see any housekeeping I need to take care of before we finish up? Nope. Just uh, thanks again, everyone, for your support. Uh, if you're not already uh, subscribers, $50 a year, $5 a month to the Substack. We've got stuff coming out every day in the lead-up to the season um, and a fair bit more uh, 83 stuff as well, Ash, that you've been putting together. Yeah, a bit more 83 stuff uh, to come. And also we've signed a couple of columnists as well, uh, one returning columnist and one fresh columnist who are going to be writing uh, informed 
content about the Hawks as well this season. One agreed this afternoon to come on board. We'll give some more details about it a bit closer to the time, but uh, he's very keen to, to, to write some stuff for us as well and get involved and join our community. So we're looking forward to announcing that before too long. So that's another reason to keep supporting us on the Substack. As I said, uh, look out for the podcast through the Hawthorne official podcast feed that we've been working with the club on. Two down, one to go. And uh, as I said, the uh, the Hawk Talk pod guys with their season guide, we strongly encourage you to buy that and support the great work that they do as well as uh, all the independent Hawthorne media uh, deserve your, your best support. So... That's been it. We look forward to joining you. There's stuff coming every day on the Substack, so keep visiting Hawks Insiders on the Substack for great content in the lead up to the season. We're excited. We hope you are too. Um, and we will join you back on Wednesday night for the next few weeks in the lead up to the season. So thank you, Brad. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Andrew. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great uh, weekend. Enjoy your last footy free, your last stress-free weekend. No pit in the stomach as uh, as as the first siren approaches and uh, you, you, you're anxious about how the Hawks are going to go, you've got one more weekend without that. So uh, make the most of it uh, and get into the garden while you still can. And we'll talk to you next week on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and good night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews and so much more.